Hi, and welcome to The Rereaders. I'm Mel Campbell, and joining me in the studio is Rereaders regular Dion Kagan. Hello, Dion. Hey, Mel. Now, in an unusual move, our executive producer, Areej <laughs> Noor, is also joining us on the mic. Hi, Areej. Hi, guys. Now, Areej does not necessarily like being on the mic, but we have caught her because this is not a normal Rereaders episode. We uh, have some sad news. This will be the last time that we record here in the 3CR studio as the re-readers. It's especially disappointing because we were planning to mark the podcast's 100th episode with a special live recorded event at the Wheeler Centre in Melbourne. But we realised that our circumstances are changing and we, the current re-readers team, weren't going to reach 100 episodes. Dionna Reage and I love working together and we've loved our time recording the rereaders, but we've all together decided that it's time for us to step away from the podcast. So rereaders will now go on hiatus. And who knows, it may return with new hosts. This is what we always wanted. It's just happening a little sooner than we anticipated. So, Dion, you've been with Rereaders since episode 11, way back in 2014. What have been some of your favourite things about recording the podcast? I love the opportunity to chat about culture in this really free-flowing, unstructured way. I love, the, you know, the, the Gabfest format that we've kind of appropriated and made our own on the Rereaders. I love that it's really kind of local in its focus and that we unpack Australian film and TV and... Um, you know, literary culture and maybe often talk about things that don't get that much airplay um, and give them a real, you know, unpacking. But also I love that we, you know, we kind of range from the high to the low, from from the really rarefied to the detritus of culture and treat everything in the same way, which is to be serious about it, but also to have a kind of joke about it. Mm. And I feel like, you know, there isn't that much criticism out there where you get that kind of, you know, slightly messy sometimes d- conversation. But for me, that's such a fun conversation to listen to. And I think, you know, or I, I hope that that's what our listeners enjoy. The idea of being with us when we get a little highbrow, but also a little loose. <laughs> We've been a little bit loose sometimes. <laughs> what about you, Mel? What What do you love about the rereaders? Yeah, well, I, I totally agree with you, Dion. What I've loved most about the rereaders is just the space that it offers to be intellectually rigorous and enthusiastic, but also just silly and playful. <laughs> and listening back to the old episodes, which I've been doing a little bit since we decided that we were going to step away... I think that we've struck a good balance between those internationally zeitgeisty things that everyone wants, you know, to hear a take about, but as well as that Australian projects that in retrospect have come to be quite significant. Like I felt quite proud that we've talked about things like, for instance, Homecoming Queens, um, which got, you know, quite a focus at the Melbourne Writers' Festival at the moment. I'm pleased that we talked about that. And we've talked about little web series and um, small and independent productions at the same time as these big productions. Mm. Things um, like Little Acorns, things yeah. like Josh Thomas, things like um, Nippers of Dead Bird Bay. Yeah. I mean, things that might not <laughs> seem significant in their way, but I mean, I feel like it's good that we captured them because they can often be kind of ephemeral. And I like as well our topics that are sometimes more about concepts than about uh, any particular text because I feel like um, – 
When we bat the topics back and forth, we tease out not just literature and culture's quote-unquote quality and quote-unquote merit, but we also, we don't even ask what it's quote-unquote about, you know. We, we ask what it does, you know. Um, I feel like I'm saying you know a lot, but I, I feel that you do know, Dion. I know, I know. You're talking, <laughs> you know, you're talking about how how texts circulate and what the effects, effects they have. Yeah, yeah so what the their pleasures. implications are. So what culture means and what people do with it. Um, because all we are is three people immersed within the culture and I feel like some understanding emerges from between our perspectives, but it's in that batting back and forth that we did. So that's why I loved that we introduced the rotating host model last year because that was, for me, when the podcast really took off. And I love that we've got such a broad range of critics involved. I'm really proud that they've been emerging critics, critics from a range of different backgrounds and disciplines, so that we get all those different perspectives coming in. So some of my favourite episodes have been the newer ones. For instance, just the, the most recent episode, episode 97, that we did um, with Melissa Cranenberg as our guest critic, where we talked about Mary Shelley, Eggshell Skull and Activewear. I mean, Activewear is one of those classic uh, re-readers kind of topics. But, of course, it was based on, you know, an actual essay. Um, I also loved working with Sonia Naya as one of our, what do you call them, Dion? Re- ret- Regular returning, <laughs> rotating re-readers. We love was, Sonia. We love Sonia so much and, you know, a real shout out to Sonia, but also to um, Nick Hollis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. To our two regular returning rotating rereaders. <laughs> I love the way it just trips off your tongue. I know. I never really know. I just know that it's for us. Regular returning I think that was a joke that came up at one of our one of our meetings. Important meetings. Our power broking meetings. Another one of my favourite guests is Khalid Wasami, who's like I don't know. I've been agitated to get him on the podcast and he's so elusive. But we finally pinned him down in episode 74 um, to talk about the death of the personal essay, uh, Hounds of Love and Spirit Animals, which I feel kind of bad about because it was based on a tweet of his. And I think Khalid really wants to walk back on his Twitter account. Um, Spirit like- Animals was, was, you know, it was not one of our high moments. I think we had... Do you know what? I was listening to the discussion again and I think that we were tackling it, you know, and that was the substance of that discussion was that it's so easy when something is quote-unquote problematic yeah. to just go too hard, not yeah. going to talk about it, but we had yeah. a go, which I enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and sometimes we have gone there and felt a little bit, you know, kind of exposed well, in speaking, the aftermath. Speaking of going there, do you remember I made this like really <laughs> terrible segue, but you know, you had done something terrible. Oh my God, this is the shit on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It is a reach. Do you have shit on the bed? You know, I always really rely, I think, on an editor or someone else mm. to say when that's, when that, you know, is just kind of gratuitous. Like, did you really want to tell everyone you know, that you kind of shat on your ex-boyfriend's bed or that, you know, you, Do you know kind what? of it's shat so on weird Because pe- I was thinking, what's, what's going to be the deep secret thing I was talking about? Will it involve poo? Will it? Will it? Yes. No, I mean, I just said that because that's just the obvious abject thing. It's like any gay, you know, gay male um, personal essay is going to be like, I shat in my ex-boyfriend's mother's bed. Or, I shat on my ex-boyfriend's mother's holiday house it's sofa. It's ex-boyfriend's <laughs> 
that'd be a great way to start like, off an essay that just goes into the I whole just, Trump phenomenon <laughs> and just unpacks it and helps us to understand it. Well, I hope that you choose to write that essay. <laughs> I can't wait to read it. Well, now onto a topic in which someone does actually shit in a bed. Okay. Uh, oh. Hounds of love. <laughs> oh, Thank God, you. I'm always trying to integrate the topics, <laughs> trying to really... Come up with smooth, you know, oh, my God. But, look, I really, really respect that and that's why I could never, never host this podcast because coming up with great segues is a real skill and, you know, very challenging. And I I applaud you, Mel, because, you know, you've had some fails but you've had a lot of wins. (laughs) I think my my win-to-fail ratio is okay. I think it is. I think it's really respectable. What are some of your favourite episodes or your favourite topics that we've tackled? Gosh, gosh, I've had so many. And, you know, I mean, I think for me, I think about it really thematically. So I've loved our conversations about period drama. I think that's Mm -hmm. something both you and I, you know, can really get into. And we've had some guests um, ones in particular that come to mind are Lauren Carroll Harris and Matilda Dixon Smith, uh-huh, who've uh-huh. really gotten on board with those conversations. I loved, you know, talking about the period bro in My Cousin Rachel. Oh, wasn't that the one where Matilda said it was going to lift the veil on the, you know, the tasteful tropes of period drama and reveal the dirtiness underneath or something like that? That's right. And I was like, you know, the period bro just has cum rags all over his bedroom floor. <laughs> I don't know. Like sometimes, sometimes I think our analysis is just you know so spot on. Um, (laughs) Do just. I loved your first ever episode where we talked about the dressmaker. I loved that we've talked about picnic at Hanging Rock in several iterations. Yes. I'm so obsessed with Picnic and Hanging Rock. Yeah, and look, we've talked a lot about daddies. Well, that's because we've had Nick, King of the Daddies. It was so brilliant when we had Nick, a.k.a. Australia's June Daddy Watkins, um, (laughs) on to talk about the Dream Daddy game um, and the Descent of Man. And also, like, Nick has just, you know, proven such a wealth of knowledge on our 90s nostalgia topics. Even though he thinks we only get him out of the drawer when uh, it comes to the 90s. Nick, if you're listening to this, we think you can talk about anything and that's what makes us love you so much and ask you back on our podcast. But the 90s, I think, is uh, a particular pet topic of Nick's and he's not failed to deliver when we've talked about that kind no, of stuff. No, he, so, he was so good on the um, 90s loser dream boy and revisiting reality bites. Oh, and the supermodels episode yeah. that we did. Yeah, fashion cafe. I really love when we talk about those kind of trend topics, those, those um, cultural memes and digital memes like um, the new skincare, the quote-unquote new tidiness. Yeah, yeah. Um, the most Melbourne man ever. That was a really interesting one. I loved your dissection of that. I also loved your um, piece on redheads. Um, oh, in the big issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That where, where we talked about the kind of redhead moment in culture. Um, one of one of the like best worst topics ever for me was Hamish and Andy's true stories. But Dion, you recommended that. You wanted us to talk about it. It's true. I did suggest that show, and then I 
absolutely hated it. I didn't think it was so bad, but it did lead to perhaps one of our most scandalous outtakes that we I well I maybe it's me who's keeping this going as a thing. <laughs> I talk about it often and I'm always saying, Areej, we need to do some kind of blooper reel that will include this our greatest moment. And now, obviously because this is our last recording, we've got to talk about it now. Do you have it queued up, Areej? I do have it queued up. Also, we it never made it to the episode and therefore it means I kept a copy of an original episode just for this moment. Well, I hope that everyone oh, appreciates gosh. the joy. Well, one thing I always liked about Hamish was his voice. He's got this kind of very droll voice that, that Andy doesn't. Andy's just like a normal guy. One thing I loved about their he's radio got, show... He's got cheeky face as well. Yeah. He's got pussy-eating face. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What is that? I don't that? know if I'm allowed to talk what does about that mean? this on the re-readers. I need to My know. housemate and I have this thing... <laughs> Where, where it's like uh, <laughs> ass eating face and pussy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, actually, we need to edit this out. <laughs> oh, mercy. Uh, okay, so I, I even got that, that taxonomy wrong because it's not ass eating face or pussy eating face. It's actually dirty ass eating and dirty pussy oh, eating face. Right. Yeah. So the asses and pussies can be clean in a different taxonomy. <laughs> it's not the pussies and the asses. <laughs> They're not what's it's dirty. The it's the face. Oh, the, the face. face. Yeah. So what I was trying to say was <laughs> But I thought was it was that... the dirtiness of the asses no, and the pussies no, that's creating no, the face. Oh, my God. No. So I was saying that... I was laughing and I wasn't even getting this joke. Anyway. <laughs> Hamish has got dirty pussy eating face and... What dirty pussy eating face is a very ineffable quality, which I realised once I started talking about is it has like no proper verbal definition. It's just this. Is it like pornography? You know it when you see it. You know know it when you see it, except the only person that knows it when they see it is me and my housemate. But I love that you'll just be together watching something and you'll go, dirty pussy eating face, and just nod to each other. We'll just say things like, oh, yeah, that's a classic one. Well, maybe you need to write this down so that you will create the taxonomy. Anyway, now everyone here knows the... Grand contribution to to screen criticism. That's right. But also, like, what doesn't make the cut? Oh, do you know, you've saved me from so many bloopers, Areej. Like, um, I, you know, mess up the script all the time and um, say people's names wrong and uh, you make me sound so great. Oh. You already sound really wonderful. And like Dion was saying, I uh, would never host the rereaders because I just don't think I'd be able to live up to your script writing and your puns yeah, and your segues. Yeah, look, I've, you know, I've been wanting to say for a long time on air just how much I love talking to you on the rereaders. I just think that you're so smart and I think that your scripting is just so excellent and spot on and and your scripts in themselves are, you know, Walkley award-winning arts yeah. journalism. Do you know, I wish that they had won an, a Walkley deal because we actually entered the rereaders <laughs> in the last lot of the arts, the Walkley Arts Awards. You know, didn't get anywhere with no, that. We didn't but win. No. We Someone didn't win. give us an award, please. Well, you know, I do. I do angst over the the scripts. I mean, one of the things I especially angst over is 
one of the kind of traditions that we've built up over the years at ReReaders, which is that the host, um, in throwing the first question on each topic to the co-hosts, always has to include some kind of pun. Oh, yes, so yes. I was so, so nervous when we had Elizabeth Flux as our guest critic because she is a pun master. She is so well known for her puns. And I was so intimidated. I was pun blocked. I couldn't come up with any really cool puns for Liz. Well, to, to make up for that disappointment, can I read out a couple of my favourite of your throw puns? Oh, sure, if you like. So when we had um, Joe Case on to talk about Blade Runner 2049, you did the intro and then you threw to Joe and said, Joe, was Blade Runner 2049 a worthy successor to the original film or did it make you want to do a runner from the cinema? Jaggy. So oh jaggy. my god, they're just so funny. Though. I I really like this one as well. Um, when we talked about Tom of Finland, you said, "Dion, did you enjoy this film from start to finish?" <laughs> <laughs> but I think my favourite of all time was when we were talking about Kylie Minogue's Golden. Well, that was a it's a gold mine, wasn't it? Oh my god, one? all the all the directions you could have gone in with this one. You said, Dion. Does Kylie still have the Midas touch or is this birthday shower just taking the piss? (laughs) (laughs) That was gold. Mercy. Mel, we've had a lot of great conversations. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously I want to tell you how much I've loved recording with you as well. So when I first came onto the podcast, obviously we know each other from, you know, the academic salt mines. (laughs) Um, but I think that you've made me feel at ease on the podcast and welcome and I feel like you have been the one encouraging me and f- making me feel like I've been doing good work. Like every time I said, oh, my God, I I'm so underprepared or this script is terrible, you're like, no, Mel, everyone loves your scripts, blah, 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 and you've always been so thoughtful. I often feel like I'm bumbling around for my opinions but I feel like yours come out Fully formed. Oh, gosh, no. Thank you. I mean, I'll, I'll be very sad not to be conversing with you on a fortnightly <laughs> basis. Maybe we will just have to have a yak. A yak. We could just, like, I don't know, meet up for a coffee or a beer. <laughs> we could. Oh, speaking of, <laughs> coffees, speaking of coffees and beers and or beers in particular, there was this one time when you were sort of losing it a little bit and we only found out why. Afterwards, Arich, do you have that clip? I do. Well, I would like to recommend the film Atomic Blonde, starring Charlize Theron. Woo! <laughs> what was that for? I don't know what the hell that was for. <laughs> Sorry, I'm excited about Atomic well, Blonde. Well, look, okay, so it's The set... marketing's got me hyped. Oh, man, marketing works. Okay, well, it's set in 1989 um, oh. in Berlin, so just before the fall of the wall. And it, the cast is a whole bunch of different spies from different... Uh, <laughs> sort of national backgrounds, but their allegiances are never entirely clear. So Charlie's what is it about spies? <laughs> what, what do you mean? What? Spies in 1989. It's just hilarious. You're losing it, Dion. <laughs> so what was the story okay, with that? Okay, so what had happened with that was that we, record, we usually record at 5 or 5.30 and I think we were booked in for 6. And I'd arrived early at 3CR with an hour to kill and I just sort of thought, oh, I'm going to go and get a wine. And while... I really enjoyed the wine and I ended up having like <laughs> Why three not get wines. another one? Yeah. So by the time I was, you know, tired and by the time I got back to the studio, I was just half cut and <laughs> <laughs> just for some reason I thought the idea of spies, Cold War, War spies was just utterly hilarious. 
So that last particular thing we did was you interrupting my recommend. But while we're here, I wanted to maybe see if we could go through some of our favourite recommends you know, one of mine that I keep telling people about, because you know how Idris Elba is constantly being talked up as the new James Bond? Um, every time that happens, I'm like, I would prefer that he made The Mountain Between Us 2. <laughs> Mountain still between... Look at Aurelia's face. <laughs> so I, like, I don't know, any critical faculties I possess, I completely dropped in my recommend for that. I, I just was raving about it in this, like deranged way i just love this film and and they fight off cougars man and and there's a dog (laughs) did you regret that recommend look i was listening back to it and going oh mel cool your jets a bit like but at the same time i cannot deny that i felt pure and completely uncritical pleasure from that movie Idris Elba and Kate winslet in 2018 it makes you wonder what the different casting was for that film. Look, obviously, if it was a it to if us. it was a topic, I would have been more critical. But look, it's the recommends section. You're man. allowed to enjoy films that yeah. I think are absolutely terrible. Yeah, That's fine. you're allowed to. You're allowed to like shit shit things. And you know, I've had some corker shit recommends. Yeah. Like, I've recommended some really really obvious things that everyone in the world was watching. Like, basically, have you have you recommended uh, Black Panther, Dio? <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> oh, no, let's go there. I think I think it's necessary to go there. Family, I've found my voice. Dion, have you seen Black Panther yet? <laughs> no. That's okay. I was going to say that, like, you know, I've been doing this podcast for so long now, you know, I've run out of things to recommend. And, you yeah. know, sometimes I have, like, a shit culture, you know, fortnight. Mm. And so if all I've got to recommend is the Netflix show that everyone's watching, I've got to come up with something, um, you know, a little bit unique. And that's what's led me to recommend things like my favourite brand of mustard. (laughs) Um, Was that the one where you brought it in? Eden Organic Yellow. We had a taste test. That's right. I was recommending Eden Organic Yellow Mustard, which I still stand behind. I once recommended Black Tahini. Or maybe it was the black tahini that you brought in. Or did you bring them both in? I think I brought them both in. There was also that time I recommended my kitchen seed sprouter. So I can already see that there's a theme of food and culinary stuff. Um, I, however, one time recommended the automatic cat feeding machine. (laughs) 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 Which, by the way, has revolutionised my life. Because I can be away from home for the whole day and evening or, or even like you know, a cheeky weekend and just leave the cat machine going with heaps of water and know that my cat will be alive when I come home. Look at that technology. Mm-hmm. But also we do put a lot of thought into our um, recommends, you know, at, in the times where we're not just grasping desperately for one. And I think one of the reasons why this has been such an important rereaders institution is because, you know, literary culture and and culture, popular, you know, and niche slash rarefied, really lives and dies on the conversations between people, on the recommendations people make to each other, and on the ways in which, you know, individuals and communities share in cultures of taste and pleasure and enjoyment and identity. I think it's also really important to note that a lot of our recommends are not new things. Like, they're not necessarily things that are fresh. So much of the... um, cultural criticism cycle is about the newest, latest thing and trying to find your critical position on it, or if I'm to be a little harsher, finding a take 
mm. on it. But mm. some of the things that I've recommended have been things that I've only just discovered, things that are a couple of years old or even longer. I remember I discovered the film Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, which it's been out since, what, 2005 or something, and I only just watched it. And I was like, this is amazing. And I've since gone on to read the Master and Commander books based on it. And you know what? I think that it's important to remind people that just because something has been out for a while, it doesn't mean that it's not good and that culture does stick around. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's really nice to not always be stuck in the kind of culture news cycle mm. and to go back to these older texts and, you know, yeah, to remind people that they exist and to keep them in circulation when when they were good because we're so flooded basically by, you know, by culture and by choices and it's very easy to just get stuck in this kind of what's new, what's the latest thing. So another thing um, is that we've done a lot of special dedicated episodes over the years. And one of the ones we did most recently was Weirdly Haunted. Yeah, so this is the notorious Halloween episode last Mm. year. So a bit of background on this. Dion had been agitating for some years to do a Halloween special. At one point we were going to do a live recorded Halloween event or something. But in the end we settled for having a a Halloween special and we got um, Alexandra Helen Nicholas, who is like the horror film uh, expert, and we were so excited to have her in the studio. I felt like it went really well. I felt felt like our discussion flowed, like we came to some good insights about the topics. Now, we we record at community radio station 3CR and we have this regular studio upstairs and everything was fine. But then when we listened to the episode, something so strange had happened to the audio and we all had these like deep dragging voices and it was so uncanny that it was the Halloween episode that I thought, oh, maybe we can try and spin a silk purse from this sow's ear. And I put, I made Paula Reed read out this disclaimer at yes, the start. Yes, you did. I'm so sorry yes, about you did. that. But we're not going to play that. No, we're not. You don't need to listen to that again. What we are going to play is the intro. Hi, and welcome to a very spooky Halloween episode of The Rereaders. In this week's podcast, we watch the untamed Amar Escalante's uncanny film blending social realism and body horror. Then we take a stab at the Slenderman mythos and the digital campfire of scary storytelling. And finally, we examine the past and future of Australian horror on screen with the DVD release of Oz horror cult classic Dark Age. I'm Mel Campbell. Murdering me in the studio is rereaders regular Dion Kagan. Don't, Dion. Hi, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Do you know the most embarrassing thing about it is that Alex sounds relatively normal in the episode, but I sound like I'm a drag queen and so does Dion. It was like rereaders drag race. God, I sound like even more of a drag queen than I normally sound. Anywho, oh, that mercy. was you know one of the wonderful, exciting, unexpected things that sometimes happens on this podcast. Well, I mean, it's not going to be happening for us at least anymore because this is really it. This is crunch time. It is. We've just got a long list of people and organisations who have made this podcast um, work for us and who have been so wonderful to deal with. Um, So, of course, apart from our executive producer, Arij Noor, um, this year we decided to have a 
producer mentorship. And so we recruited an associate producer, Tan Hang Pham, um, who, you know, we were really only getting started with her work, which was such a shame. But she did do so many amazing things. She organised our production schedule. She worked on our social media. Mm -hmm, She mm -hmm. came in while we were recording. We only did a little bit of work together, but she made quite a difference in our workflow and was really wonderful. She made us realise how disorganised Absolutely, we she were. did. Without being too judgmental about it either. We'd also love to thank Melbourne Community Radio Station 3CR for the studio space and for the recording equipment that we're using right now. Um, we believe strongly in supporting community radio and so we encourage you to listen and subscribe to your favourite broadcasters wherever you are, are living. So 3CR is only one of the broadcasters here in Melbourne and they're all around Australia. Everyone in this room knows that I'm a big lover of community radio and it makes me feel really good that independent podcasts also engage with community radio and support um, community radio by um, paying for studio time. And so for independent podcasters out there, that's a really great way to give back to the community and also be part of a community because sometimes it can feel a bit lonely. Mm. And we should also add that a is the regular host of a show on community oh, radio. Oh, Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> yes, on Triple R, you can tune in whenever or not. That's fine. And what is the show called? Uh, it's called The Wrap on Triple R on Wednesday mornings from nine till midday. A great listen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We would also love to thank our regular returning, rotating, is that right, re-readers? Yes. Sonia Nair and Nick Hollis, forever rotating in our hearts. (laughs) Sounds really rude now (laughs) I think about it. Um, And also, just in the last year, some of our insightful and dynamic guest hosts have included Melissa Cranenberg, Khalid Wasami, Timma Ball. Timma was fabulous. Um, We had her on two episodes this year. Andy Butler. Andy was great, talking about going down and um, having the inside scoop on uh, Acme. Um, Elizabeth Flux and her amazing puns. Rebecca Harkins-Cross. Now, we talked about cults and I did an embarrassing sort of demonic voice (laughs) when Becky was last on the show. Matilda Dixon-Smith, she of Lifting the Veil on period drama. Um, Alex Griffin with the Nippers of Dead Bird Bay uh, fame. Alexandra Helen Nicholas, who somehow escaped uh, Halloween um, mayhem. Cerise Howard, she appeared on when we talked about Wake in Fright, the TV series. Um, Joe Case, of course, um, who was talking about Blade Runner 2049 and You Play the Girl by Karina Chicano. Um, Lauren Carroll Harris, who's jetted down from Sydney a couple of times to guest on our podcast. She was last on our Myth special episode in 2017 and she's so erudite. We also discussed her active wear article in the Lifted Brow on our most recent episode. Um, Giselle Onyan Nguyen, um, we talked about The Hate You Give. That was one of our most popular episodes of last year. Um, and, of course, Adolfo Aranjuez, who is so polite in <laughs> <laughs> laughing at my horrible pun. We love you all and we're so grateful to you all and we really hope to have critical conversations with you all again soon. And, of course, there's an immense back catalogue of um, Yeah, so that was just the past year. Yeah, and we should, you know, also thank the tireless efforts and immense contributions of rereaders, hosts and co-hosts of the past, including, of course, founding host Sam Twyford-Moore and co-hosts Steph Van Schilt, Rebecca Giggs and Fiona Wright, 
And many, many thanks to the absolute extraordinary efforts of um, previous executive producers, Jess O'Callaghan and the gorgeous, wonderful Izzy roberts Orr. Mm -hmm. And we also want to thank everyone who's created the culture that we have gone on to discuss on the podcast. So all the book and magazine publishers, the film and the TV distributors, um, festivals, broadcasters, theatres, museums and, and all the writers whose work we've discussed. So it's been such a pleasure and a privilege to give all of this culture a second reading, a re-reading, if you will. Also thanks to the organisations that have partnered with us. So we've done special projects and special episodes and we've been sponsored and supported throughout our tenure as re-readers critics by our beloved friends at Kill Your Darlings, mm. with whom we created Critical Attention. Um, we've also had sponsorship and support for our special dedicated episodes that have included the Melbourne Queer Film Festival, the Melbourne International Film Festival, the MIF Critics Campus, the Wheeler Centre and the Melbourne Writers Festival. And of course, our greatest debt is owed to Creative Victoria, who have supported the re-readers since 2015 showing their commitment to critical conversation about arts and culture in Australia and also to the critical conversational podcast form and mm. the, the voices of diverse local artists and critics in this state and beyond. Mm, that's right. But, of course, you... Our listeners, thank you for listening to us, for subscribing to us on iTunes, as I always say at the end of every episode, <laughs> for talking to us on our Facebook page, our Twitter and in real life, for coming to our live events, reviewing us on iTunes and just telling your friends about us. It's easy to feel like in the studio here we're in a little bit of a vacuum, but every time someone tells us that they've listened to one of our episodes or that they like what we do, we just feel so proud and excited and glad. And we hope to continue having these conversations with you either in your podcast feed or elsewhere. So that's a wrap. Thank you, Dion. Thank you, Mel. Thank you, Areed. Thank you, guys. This has been The Rereaders. The Rereaders has been recorded on unceded sovereign Wurundjeri country and supported by the Victorian government through Creative Victoria. Our executive producer was Areej Noor. While we're no longer recording new episodes, you can find our archive on SoundCloud at Rereaders, at iTunes or on our website, therereaders.com. Thanks for listening and we hope that in some way, together and as individual critics, we can join you again soon. Reminds me of what was that other one that you mentioned, Dion? Yeah. It was like a, a, a malapropism. I think I, sometimes I just can't think of, you know, so an American dingo was me attempting to reach for the word coyote, but I think the worst one I did wasn't actually captured on an episode, but I was trying to use that metaphor, the canary in the coal mine, and it just wouldn't come into my mouth. And I think I said, What'd you say? The pigeon in the cage. <laughs> And you just looked at me. <laughs> That's how you responded. You just looked at me and said, the pigeon, the pigeon of the guy. <laughs>